Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. Uh, I am your host, John Robb, and I'm flying solo tonight. Jeff Ayers has taken his parachute and jumped out of the plane for this interview, and boy, he's going to miss a good one, because we are going to be talking with none other than international best-selling author Brad Parks. He is going to be talking about his latest book, Interference, which comes out September 1st, so when you hear this interview, you'll be able to buy it, uh, whatever format you want to buy it on, it is available. We want to remind all of you that all of your shows are brought to you here by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com. And also, don't forget our anthology, our first anthology that we have coming out with Jeffrey Deaver, along with Linwood Barkley and Heather Graham and John Lascois and Reese Bowen and many others. It's called Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. It comes out November 17th, so make sure you check that out. But without any further ado, we want to hit our good friend Brad Parks. We haven't talked to him in some time now, so it's great to have him back on the show. So, Brad, how are you doing tonight, man? So I, I, I thought maybe your segue into that was going to be, and speaking of nothing good happens after midnight, here's Brad Parks. <laughs> You're everything good before midnight. After uh, midnight I appreciate that. Well, but, on, but apparently, apparently Ayers doesn't think so, and, and I worry if he's uh, jumping out of the plane, does, does he know something about where this plane is heading tonight? Hey, I'm that, a pilot. Uh, that maybe <laughs> exactly. So like he's he's bailing out at the best possible time. I mean, he's done these interviews with us before. He yeah. knows we're we're probably going to crash this thing. Let's face it. We are. So but that's the fun I, part because we don't know where it's going to crash. <laughs> but we're definitely. But, we're, but, but you know, what we're definitely going to do. We're definitely going to cause a lot of interference. I, oh no! Oh, that was professionally done. Right there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, John Robb has just professionally dropped the name of my book into conversation. There we go. And that's how it's done at home. There we go. <laughs> so, you know what? So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you got going on in this one? So Interference uh, tells the story of Bridget Bronick. Uh, she is a librarian with hearing loss. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But her husband is a physicist who is uh, prodding at the mysteries of the quantum universe uh, and suddenly he goes missing, and Bridget comes to realize the only way to find him might be to harness the very quantum physics that he has been toying with. Uh, so it's it's got uh, it, it's definitely got some more speculative elements than some of my work has in the past, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still it's still a good thriller. I mean, you know, some someone is missing, uh, someone is in grave danger. And the person needs to be found, and you know we don't know how it's all going to end. Uh, that's the idea. But uh, right. but yeah, it, it's basically so. The what if is uh, what if you could use quantum physics to find a missing person? Now, what was it that drew you into wanting to write about quantum physics? Was uh, what led you to this plot? <laughs> Obviously, the commercial viability, uh, John. The <laughs> moment you say quantum physics, everybody's well, I mean, face just lights take, up. You know, food, but you know. <laughs> you know, I, I think I've. Um, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, full disclosure, I'm a nerd. Uh, I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody who knows nope, me. No, but me too. I've, I've, I've kind of been wanting to write a book with science in it for a while, okay. and I could just never figure out how to kind of fit my book to the science. And so I probably tried at least three or four different times to start a physics book, I, I, as I would think of it. Um, and then finally, the, the, the flash of inspiration was, okay, stop trying to fit your book to the science. Fit the science to your book. Uh, and as yeah. soon as I kind of had that, that inspiration, uh, within about 15 minutes, I, I had more or less the plot. 
of you know that, that there would be a, a missing person and that quantum physics which is which is absolutely fascinating and, and one of the things I love about this book is the the physics as I describe it is all a hundred percent real uh, because quantum physics is so goofy you don't actually have to make stuff up about quantum physics to make it strange uh, you know in in this case in the case of interference the the, the principle it draws on is called quantum entanglement uh, which is this weird but true fact so if you take two particles, every once in a while they are born entangled. You can pull them apart by any distance you want them to. You tickle one and the other feels it immediately, like instantaneously, no matter how far apart they may have traveled. So you could have these, par- these two particles in different galaxies and you measure one and the other immediately signals that it has felt that measurement. And wow. nobody knows how they do it. And, and so the weird thing about Love. this... Uh, what, it's, it is love, though. But that's the thing, John. Okay, now you, you've, you've skipped to the end, but aren't we all sometimes a little bit entangled with the people we love? The reason, the, thing, no, you know, the reason why I said that was because wasn't there a movie where somewhere was like a scientific thing? It's, oh, I it was in War Games where Halle Sheedy and they go, you know, the, the, the guy doing the science class at the very beginning, and he says, you know, you know why is this procreating? And she goes, love? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that, that, that I think that plane crash that I foretold yeah. at the beginning with Jeff Ayers jumping out, I think the, the I think the plane crash just happened just there, John. Now it's, well, it's I'm not all, flying right now. It's you, all autopilot. You, you you brought Ali Sheedy into this for God's sakes. I don't yeah, even know I where we're war going. Games into it. Uh, well, that, okay, that's good. That's that's. A fair point. We said so, we were nerds, so how can you not yeah, bring uh, war games from '83 into this? That, that, that's, that is true. That is true. Yeah. So the thing about entanglement with, that's really kind of fun and interesting mm-hmm. is, you know, when, when all of quantum physics was sort of first being discovered and when Niels Bohr and those kind of guys were, were, were all the rage and hot, and they're, they're coming up with all these new equations, um, Einstein was actually, along with two other guys, were the ones who came up with this notion of entanglement. But they were only doing it to point out that quantum physics had to be just bullshit, right? They were like, because, okay, if this equation is true and this equation is true, it would predict this, this, this weird entanglement thing. And of course, to Einstein, entanglement would be impossible because this interaction between particles that I've told you about yeah. happens faster than the speed of light. Oh. And to Einstein, nothing could be faster than the speed of light. So he called this spooky action at a distance. You know, this notion that, that two, uh, uh, you know, particles could be entangled across galaxies and, and like, and have this, this intrinsic connection to each, to one another. And this was just, in Einstein's mind, total bullshit. So he wrote this paper basically calling it out and saying, this is garbage. Except 75 years later, we have now proven entanglement beyond the shadow of a doubt. Like we have, we have actually wow. demonstrated quantum entanglement in laboratories. Um, as a matter of fact, the uh, the Chinese right now have a satellite uh, that has allowed them to they they will they will beam particles up and then beam them back down to Earth, you know, 1,100 kilometers away, and they have they have demonstrated that entanglement exists at at least 1,100 kilometers. Like without, and again, this, this instantaneous. There is no way to describe the interaction between these two particles in any other way other than wow quantum entanglement is actually real so it's kind of taking quantum entanglement and saying again like could if if particles can be entangled and by the way 
when you when you talk about the you know the, the quantum universe, generally it's very small, right? And this is mm-hmm. this is what a physicist always say. It's like, well, this is all this is all goofy stuff, but it's it, but it's also small. You can't even see it. It doesn't matter. Well, what we've been finding in recent years actually is that the boundaries of quantum entanglement or or just quantum physics in general might not be as small as we thought. Uh, like, you know, where like it's suddenly it's, it's not just particles, it's molecules. Oh, it's not just molecules, it's systems of molecules. Um, like they, they, have, they have demonstrated uh, quantum principles in like a silicon wire that is, uh, you know, almost the size of a human hair, right? And so like the, 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 the boundaries of where does quantum end and where does the kind of, quote, normal universe of Newtonian physics begin is now this blurry thing. So the, the kind of what, what I do in interference is take it one step further. Okay, so if, if we have particles being entangled and systems of particles being entangled, what about human beings? Like, could human beings be entangled with one another? And, and could there and be something? The and there's yeah. the catch. And, you know, it's something like twin sense which we've never truly really understood. Well, which, which you've like, heard before, like somebody in, you know, the old commercials where somebody in L.A. burns their hand and their sister in New York feels it and calls her yeah, up. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. I remember that. Is, yeah. that. is that some kind of, because we know entanglement happens in living beings. Like, uh, we, we have come to think that, that the way birds navigate may actually be through entangled electron pairs in their eyeballs, that, that it kind of allows them to, 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 you know, or same thing with salmon. You know, how, how does a salmon know how to return to the place where it was spawned five years later, to the very stream yeah. where it was born? It might be quantum entanglement. And we don't know. I mean, this is all this is all very new science. This is all uh, very cutting edge. But but it's definitely it's fun stuff to play with in a thriller. And then so basically, what I did was I I took this science yep. and then applied it to all the normal kind of thriller things that we come to expect. Of there's a missing person. Uh, I, I just mentioned the Chinese. The Chinese may be involved. There's a shadowy billionaire because you need to have a, a shadowy billionaire. Got to have the money uh, in the background. You know, yep. You know, the, 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 I, I bring the Department of Defense in this because, you know, nothing – ever since the Manhattan Project, nothing that happens in the physics department mm-hmm. is truly belonging totally to the physics department. The, uh, you know, the, the military always kind of has its eye uh, right. uh, looking over the shoulder of the physicist. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of really fun elements that I'm able to, to bring into this thriller that has the science but then also has the thrills woven throughout. <laughs> Now, so, of course, you know, this was not going to fit into the Carter Ross series that you, know, no. you, you have, too. So this was really a way for you to just, you really just wanted to just kind of explore this area. And then, like you said, then you started to wrap the characters in and you started to get them, you know, together, wrapped around the plot. So besides the science in general and trying to dumb it down for people like me that, <laughs> that, that associate war games with quantum physics or the Big Bang Theory, which is about all I know about, so what, what, were, what were your challenges uh, outside of just getting the physics dumbed down just to try to get all the characters together and everything? You know, I, what weren't the challenges, John? I mean, I, I think once you, once, you, once you put a complex plot into play, you're, you're always kind of wondering, all right, how, how is this going to come together? How am I going to keep this on the rails? Uh, you know, I, I know it can't be this bad guy. I know it can't be this bad guy. So who, what, what bad guy should it be? Um, but, I, you know, I think um, it was really definitely keeping the human element in the story because ultimately I don't care if you're the busy, biggest science geek out there as I am, what you read a thriller for is the characters, 
right? Um, and it's and it's oh, making yeah, and sure. The plot, yeah. You know, but but like I think on some level you've got to care what happens to these people, right? You're 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 not gonna right. you know you re- have to care some way or another, yeah. Yeah, and and so it was kind of like ma- making sure that 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 human through line is there. Uh, and that when the physics professor goes missing, you've you've sort of met the physics professor, and you sort of like him, and you and you sort of want to know what happens to him, and and certainly his wife. Uh, now, so this this gets into uh, her name is Bridget Bronick, and she is right. a librarian with hearing loss, which I kind That's of right. we got to uh, get into that. Yeah, which which is a fun a fun thing because it's it's not a character you find a lot in thrillers, and no. uh, and and well, I mean, have have you read about a a character no. with hearing loss? I mean, I, with hearing I can't loss, no, I mean, not really. I mean, besides old people who go, huh? But that's about right, it. Right, right. No, no, no. But this is this is a woman yeah. in, in middle age who has otosclerosis, yeah, no. which is a, a a condition that affects three billion Americans. And so, yeah, it, and that was a you know. Now, mind you, one of the things that always fascinates me about what we would call disabilities classically is that they often do come with abilities. So, in in this case, the the character has the ability to read lips, which certainly becomes very Very relevant to the plot, you know, (laughs) late, late in the book. But, um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it was one of those accidental things. So this is my 11th novel. And at a certain point in time, you know, you're, you're kind of casting about, you know, the, the, the first characters I think any author writes are, are probably closely hewn to their own life or their own existence or their own friends or something like that. And then you sort of like worked through all that at a certain point in time. And so I was, uh, I was in the midst of kind of brainstorming this novel and thinking about my protagonist. And I, I sort of have a rule, John, of like, I need to like my protagonists. You know, like yeah. I, I'm going to spend 400 pages with them. They can't be assholes. And right. so I was, uh, we, we had gotten a new neighbor. Uh, her name was Melissa. And okay. I just, I liked her. And she happened to be a librarian with hearing loss. There you go. And, and I was like, huh, a character with hearing loss. Cool, let's see where this goes. But, you know, so it was just one of, the, one of the things that really did keep that human element in what could be a very fantastic story at times um, was, you know, hey, there, there's Bridget having to ask people to repeat things and having to go, wait, wait a second, what just happened? And wondering herself if she, if she had understood someone right or heard someone right. It's just kind of like an, an extra layer. I, I think the more obstacles you can put in your character's way, the more interesting their plight becomes, as, as we know. Uh, so that was definitely to to give Bridget that extra layer of of difficulty. Um, I just made her a more fun and interesting character for me to write. Now, since you kind of did something a little outside the normal box for yourself, I mean, was it a tough sell to the publisher? Uh, well, I did switch publishers, so maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I uh, you know I I had been uh, with Dutton for my last three books, and this is actually Amazon Publishing. Um, oh, okay. and yeah, so it, which it was, you know, that it, there was kind of a, there were a number of factors that, that went into that. My, uh, the, uh, the two editors I had, I had signed with at Dutton had both left and, you know, you don't want to be the last person at the dance. Right. Um, and, but then also, you know, I, I had kind of been looking at what Amazon was doing really for a number of years and I, and I'd seen some of my friends head over there and I had kind of been wanting to try something different. Um, um, my my good friend Hillary Davidson, who I'm sure you've interviewed I as well, her, yep. 
Uh, she, she had gone over a little bit before me, and I kind of kept asking her questions about it, and like, well, so what do they do with this, and what do they do with that? And she, uh, she eventually started calling me Amazon Curious. <laughs> uh, so since I was Amazon Curious, and, and eventually it, it kind of worked out that um, uh, I was, you know, I was uh, un, uh, up looking for a new contract, and my editors had left Dutton, and I was Amazon Curious. And, you know, it's, it's, so far it's been a great fit. I think they, they enjoy this kind of new turn that I've taken, uh, you know, that, that does have this more speculative element to it. Now, what, and, now what about your Carter Ross series? So that is, uh, uh, you know, continuing along, I suppose. So I haven't written Carter Ross in four years, actually. Right. Um, and and I, I intend fully to write him again sometime. Yeah, because you didn't leave it off. You didn't, you didn't end the series, so you just kind of lost it. No, no, no. I, I, I yeah, I absolutely didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I didn't end the series. You know, it's funny, though. It's like the, the different stories grabbing you at, at different times. And mm-hmm. I think one of, the, one of the fun things about what we do is, is having the freedom to explore different stuff and to, to write the story you want to write. Um, and, and in this case, you know, I'd been just wanting to write a, a thriller with science in it for some time. So I, I think I, I, I have always had in my mind that I'd like to write Carter again. Uh, and I, I've sort of been waiting for the story to come along that fits him, if you know what I mean. Um, I do. So. Yeah, you got you got to kind of you got to kind of grab the right. You don't want to. The, the the one thing that you want to do as an author is force a story because then it just doesn't. Right. It just doesn't seem and, right. Especially, I think, and I and I think that happens with some authors. I mean, I have a couple in my head where they've been writing series for so long that it seems like they're just forcing stories now right. to just keep their character alive. I mean, I'm gonna, I'll be honest. Like Patricia Cornwall, I love Case Scarpetta, but I don't like her anymore. I think it's boring. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I love that. I love Alex Cross. I don't like him anymore. Right. You know, Lucas Davenport, but I don't like him anymore because it seems like everything is being so just forced so much into the, into the stories. So I like it when authors don't force that stuff and just kind of let it organically happen. Right. Well, and, and I think it, you know, I think as an author, you know, like, I, I, honestly, I, I think the authors who will, who will sometimes go back and forth and, you know, they'll write a standalone and then they'll write a series and then they'll write another standalone. You know, that, that maybe keeps it a little fresher for them. Um, and then, but the, and then you get guys like Lee Child who, you know, has only written Reacher and seems like he only ever will write Reacher. And, well, not anymore. And, well, I guess, but, but he's done. Like I, Lee is not, I don't think Lee is saying, uh, I'm going to hand this series over to my brother and then, uh, go do something else. I think. Wait a he's second, Brad. Done. So you didn't listen to my interview with Mr. Andrew Grant the day that this was announced when I had him on the air and I talked to him about all this and he I apparently all I, I missed that. I missed that. Yeah, no, he's well, so done, I know man. he's not. He's done. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. So, but yeah, uh, I mean, but so, up until well, he kinda, was done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Andrew kind of said that he's helping with this one and then like maybe like the next one and then he's out. Like he's going to be right. totally out. So yeah. Right, uh, but not doing something else is what I'm saying. No, so, like, I think right. I think there are authors, and you know, I, like to me, the you know, the 21st Reacher or whatever he's up to, yeah. you know, still reads great. And, you know, so I think there are there are authors who can who can keep the series fresh and who can keep it interesting. Uh, but yeah, going to your point, like you can't you can't force it, right? And you can't okay. like I could not have taken a story that has particle physics in it and make it a Carter Ross story. Uh, you know, a newspaper reporter from New Jersey. Like, nope, just no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would not, have had to stumble good. maybe onto something, but it couldn't have been like the centerpiece. Yeah, exactly. No exactly. Way. 
So, yeah. um, so no, we'll, we'll, we'll return to Carter one of these days. Just not yeah. yet. So, uh, but what, you know, so you're doing the standalone. You kind of got the series now. So you're kind of doing a little bit of both, like we said. But what is your next kind of uh, venture going to be? Another standalone, I take it. Um, so Yeah, again, with that totally kind different? of a, yeah, no, again, with kind of a speculative element and, and okay. kind of some science in it. Uh, so the, the next one, and, and I'm not, this one doesn't publish until July of 2021, so uh, I don't have my elevator pitch quite down pat the way I, I need to. But uh, basically, <laughs> it's about a guy who uh, has to either kill his wife or a billion people will die. Okay. How's that for you? That, that, that's a dilemma. <laughs> so, So you're saying... Shannon might be safe, but a billion people might be dead if you were if you were presented with that. I don't mean to make no, this too personal, John. I'd probably jump off a cliff and say, "Fuck it, I don't want to see either." <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a good way to go. So again, I jump although, off a cliff and be like, you know what? I don't want to see my wife die, and I don't want to see a billion people die. So I'm just jumping. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> Rob, I'm out. gone. <laughs> you, you picked the wrong dude, baby. I'm out. <laughs> Well, and that's why we know the, the protagonist of this particular novel is not John Robb, because You're that would right. be a very that's short a book. a short story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just page four, and we're done. Yep, Wrap it up, baby. after midnight right there. John jumps off the cliff at 12.01. Screw it. He's out. Uh, but there is, a, there is a science element in it again, uh, because did you know, John Robb, that the laws of physics show no particular preference for the direction that time travels. Dun, that I didn't know, dun. but that's deep, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that'll, that'll be the underpinning of the 2021. And, and that's, so you're just, I mean, you're just diving into so many different questionable things, but the thing that you do is, do you have any kind of preconceived notions when you dive in, or how, or how surprised are you when you kind of get the research and figure out really what these things are like? You know, it's probably a combination of both um, okay. where uh, I, I, you know, I'll kind of start with an idea yeah. and then let the, let the research push the idea the direction it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the case of quantum entanglement, I, I basically, so it, it, one of these funny serendipitous things, uh, one of my college buddies is uh, he, he went he left college and then got a double PhD in physics and the history of physics from a little place called Harvard University, uh, okay. and he is now a, a a professor of physics at MIT, and he is one of the leading experts on entanglement. So I sort of had always followed entanglement because of my friend Dave Kaiser, because, gee, when the New York Times is doing another story about quantum entanglement, it would quote Dave Kaiser. So I would just, you know, send him the story and harass him about being quoted in the New York Times again and whatnot. But it it, it meant that I had sort of followed it. So I didn't actually need to do like I, I knew my premise would fit within oh. the existing physics. Uh, without having done any research. And then obviously I did some more research just to, to better understand the mechanics of it and, and the basis of it and all that other kind of stuff. But um, so, you know, I, I kind of, I try not to go down the wormhole of research too much, uh, you know, because it, mostly because research is a waste of time uh, when you get right down to it. And, and I try to, uh, 
I do as little of what I call general research as possible, and I try to make sure most of my research is specific research, right? So it's, it's really, um, all right, uh, you know, this actual fact that I need to actually get right, what is this fact and who would know it? And, you know, finding out who that person might be, that expert, and then calling them up and asking them my specific question, as opposed to the general kind of like, let me just read 25 books on quantum entanglement, and that way I'll, you know, like, because, uh, I mean, partly I've already read a lot of those books, but, um, yeah, you just, I, I, I try not to wasste time as much as possible. No, I mean, I, and I can understand, I can understand when, when you say a lot of research, because I, I can un- see a lot of authors researching, and probably 85% of the stuff that they did never makes it into the book, so they just kind of wasted a lot of time in figuring out a bunch of things that probably aren't right. very useful to a, to a story, especially if you're writing a thriller or mystery, because it can't be 100% factual because we wouldn't have DNA for two months or this and that. You know, things have to be a little bit sped up and a little bit, you know, moving to get going. And that's why I think some of those research things, it's, it, things take a lot of time, and you're like, well, I can't use that. Well, you've got to use it right. in another way. <laughs> or, yeah, or you have, that, the, right. yeah, that you have that horrible thing of actually you just can't use it, you know. Because <laughs> right. nobody, yeah, nobody's the, picking the 20 up. a 20-year-old who can Google everything and has a phone with them and knows everything and can Google it and get involved in, you know, any camera around the world that they want to, and, you know, uh, and you can always use that. And that seems to be the fallback, and that's kind of why I get it a little bit perturbed with some of the books, like, like in Cornwell's, you know, instance, you know, like she has that person who knows everything. You see it in the CSIs, you see it in the NCISs, it's that computer person that just is like, oh, no, right. I, no, 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 and the whole thing, and that kind of ruins it for me. I kind of like that aspect of the detective and the actual person having to really hit the ground and figure it out right. in a little old-fashioned way, I guess. So you you are yeah, the 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 character who is who is put there for sole purposes of info dump. You're yeah. wise to that trick. Yeah. No, I know. And the the info dump can be um it, it can be very tempting at times and it can be very alluring and then you have to remind yourself as an author don't do that. <laughs> right. You know, and that it's it, yes, it is much more I satisfying. It, I think it shortchanges the author. I think it'll shortchange you if you do that. I think fans will yeah. be like, "Oh, well that's kind of convenient." You know. Yes, isn't it nice? You know, versus, and it's actually much more satisfying to to read a character finding things out the way the reader is finding things out. You know, kind of like having to earn the information, having to win right. it, having to having to get it a little bit at a time here, there, everywhere. Um, and yeah, and that's a and that's always a, a a balance you have to strike as an author, like not not giving them the info dump, but then also giving a reader enough that they know what's going on and that they can follow where you're trying to go with your story. Um, right. So that's you know. But that's that's why they pay us the big bucks, John. Yes. Well, they pay you the big bucks, <laughs> <laughs> or, or 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 the medium bucks at any rate. But yeah, sure. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so when your website, BradParksBooks.com, is probably the best place for everyone to find out all that they can about Brad Parks. That is true. www.bradparksbooks.com. Uh, I am also on Facebook at Facebook slash Brad Parks Books, and I'm on Twitter at Brad underscore Parks. Or if people have followed this podcast and, and, are, and are that interested in a, in a topic, they can email me at Brad at BradParksBooks.com. 
And so easy so to find. Which one are you kind of more? Are you more on Facebook or Twitter? Which one do you kind of lean towards the most? You know, it depends what I have to say. You know, like I think there's 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 different outlets for different things. Um, uh, generally, if <laughs> so, this is my my yeah, my I really thirty thousand. Dodgers, I pretty much do it on Facebook. <laughs> oh, see, I'm the other way. Like, if if I have something nasty and negative to say, I go to Twitter, and if I have something nice to say, I go to Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. So if you want to see the if you want to see Brad shit talk, go to Twitter. If you want to see Brad right. nice talk, go Basically. to Facebook. <laughs> you know, or I, I you know I try to be nice most of the time. But if but but if I have something snarky to say. More often than not, I'm going to Twitter for that. <laughs> now, of course, our beloved Thriller Fest was canceled this year, along with all of yeah. 2020. So, yeah. you know, how many conferences generally do you try to go to in a year? So I generally, I always do BatcherCon and I always do Thriller Fest. And then I'll try to do one or two other ones uh, okay. based on... My availability based on, you know, if, I, if I've been invited to, you know, to be a speaker at a place, uh, you know, certainly I'll do that. Um, but, uh, you know, and gosh, Left Coast Crime, if I can get it. Although the last couple of years, Left Coast Crime has been in, in places that are inconvenient for me to get to. Uh, so that hasn't been helpful. But uh, I think in, in 2021, if, if God willing, we can hug each other again and shake each other's hands and not have to worry about all this stuff. Like, I, I think I'm probably going to go to about 90 conferences because I miss everyone <laughs> so much. Like, I just, I just want to see everyone. I want to hug everyone. I want to hang out at the bar with everyone. <laughs> I mean, Love Coast Crime was in San Diego. We were, we were planning on going down. And then, of course, that's, Love Coast Crime happened right when it hit. Right yeah. when it no, hit. Because I, right I, I think they did the first day, and then they had to pull the plug. Like, they were right. like, can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was that weekend of everything being canceled. And, yeah, yeah they, were, they were right in the middle of it. And the next, the next left coast is in Albuquerque. Do I remember that right? I believe so, yeah. I believe it's in New Mexico. Now, yeah. the problem is, is, still is on? it's coming up in heard. March already. Yeah. I mean, we're only, yeah. you know, five, six weeks away where you see sports being canceled till the spring and these other – so I don't know what's going to happen. I guess it's just for me like a wait and see. I'm not going to register for anything. The only thing that we might go to is Thrill Effect next year, but we might, I don't know, because we have another anthology coming out next year um, with Catherine Coulter and, like, Tosca Lee and Kay Hooper and some others. So we're going to have, cool. we were hopefully planning on, you know, showcasing the Nothing Good one, this Thriller Fest, and then that one next. But I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I just miss Nobody everybody. Knows. I miss exactly. all the conferences, you know, that's the thing. I miss seeing all the friends and, like, like you said, all the bar stuff and all the talk and just all the camaraderie. That's, we miss that. Because the writing group is kind of a small group, even though it's big, and we all kind of know each other, and that's what's great. Right. Well, and, and like, I get, I get so much energy from it, you know, yeah. and, and I start, it, it's, it's bizarre. Like, I'm uh, such a dork. Like, I, I kind of get in this rhythm, right? Okay, so Thriller Fest is in July, and, like, I start looking forward to Thriller Fest in, in about, like, April, right? right? And then as soon as Thriller April, Fest May. is over, I'm, I'm already looking forward to BoucherCon. Uh, and then, you know, so it just, uh, there's always kind of something to kind of, get me through and, and like, you know, cause yeah, I, I really do. I love going to see my friends and going to, I, I just, I, I think that, that, that readers and, and crime fiction writers are just, it's such a wonderful community and it's such a great group of folks to hang out with. And I generally spend four days laughing and just having a great time. And uh, yeah, like at, at Thriller Fest this year, uh, you know, my buddy Daniel and I, we were, we, we had yeah, another a musical number. We, we had another truly stupid song lined up that, that I can't talk about because 
who knows what will <laughs> if we'll have to do it again or to you know to to bring it back out. But uh, like yeah, that was a, that was a bizarre thing to to not get dressed up and make a fool out of myself in front of a thousand people at the Thriller Fest banquet. I mean, that's, that's generally a highlight of my we summer, John. We forward to that, man. I know. I know. I miss it. I know. So, uh, I know. Yeah, I... But the one thing I've noticed is that a lot of authors are writing right now. A lot of stuff is coming out, which is good and bad. You know, I think uh, it's kind of like I always there, – there's a guy I listen to talk to music, and he always says, you know, the great thing about today is that anybody can do music, and the bad part about today is that Anybody yeah, can, do music. can do music. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Because you Although, know, the so the, have kind of stopped. Yeah, the the books you're seeing right now though are still they're all pre-COVID in terms of when right. most of These them are. got done. Yeah, you they, know, in terms well, of when when they went into production and when they like there there's no book that that was written in March and is coming out now. I mean that's well, that, you unless know, you got those quick self-published people who don't edit stuff and are writing oh, right, and throwing right. out there real fast, and that's the stuff that kind of convolutes. I think the uh, that kind of convolutes everything because you're kind of throwing it out there and people are seeing it and they're like, oh, two ninety nine. Well, you didn't really do your research. I mean, because it's not probably edited, done. It hasn't been through the the ringer yet. So I don't know, man. I don't know where everything is headed, but I know I know one thing. I know that we're going to Thailand next year, and that's about it. So <laughs> well, then you know more than most. That's it. I know we're moving to Thailand, and that's the game. So that's our goal. But other than that, I don't know shit. <laughs> well, hey, we know we we hopefully got good books to read. Exactly. And again, everybody, the book is called Interference. Make sure you visit BradParksBooks.com for more information. The book is out September first, so get your copy when you listen to this uh, interview. You'll be able to buy it again, whatever format you want to buy. It. Is it going to be available on audio? Oh yeah, yeah. Already, already okay. uh, been. I actually have not heard it yet, although I've I've approved the uh, the audio person. But uh, yeah, they they do it where September first is is everything. Um, and this is actually so it will come out in audio. It will come out in hardcover. Uh, I think it maybe also even comes out in paperback. Don't hold me oh, to great. that. Oh great, you got it all right. But, so it's got all the yeah. So I think right you can do it. Yeah. yeah, you can do it. And of course, you can do ebook as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's we just we just aim to please, John. That's and all we're trying Amazon, to do. And since you're Amazon, you're probably Kindle Unlimited then. I, you know, I don't even know about that yet. Um, yeah. I think maybe I eventually I will be. I can't imagine Amazon's going to try to sell an ebook on Barnes and Noble. So I would probably think you're going to be Kindle Unlimited, which is uh, a good thing. Uh, Kindle Unlimited okay. is very good. Yeah, um, you're basically getting paid for someone checking your book out of the library. That's about what it is. I'll take that. Sounds Nothing good to wrong me. With that. Nothing All right, wrong man. With that. It's All right, John. Thanks a very much for talking to you, Brad. Likewise. Of course. All right. We will talk with you soon, and you be good. All right, sounds, sounds good. Stay All safe. Right, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.